0: He did not need anyone to bear witness concerning man, for he himself knew what was in man. So here's the scenario. Jesus has not only come and cleansed the temple, but he performs many other ministries, many other miracles. This is the beginning of his ministry. And we're told by the apostle John that there are many who believed in his name. But Jesus does not entrust himself to them because he knows what's in their heart. There are a lot of people who have said that these people are not true Christians. They have, they don't have saving faith. They draw a distinction between faith and saving faith. So we need to ask the question when we come to this passage, and this is a very important question. Are these people truly saved? And beneath this is the question, are there some who can believe in Jesus' name, but are not truly saved or regenerate? Because the assumption that underlies this view is that if they were truly believers, Jesus would trust himself to them. After all, they would be regenerate, wouldn't they? Why is it that... Jesus does not entrust himself to these people if they are indeed believers. And so when you read the array of comments, commentaries that have been written on this passage, the standard commentary says that they are not believers. And we need to evaluate that because this is an issue that is crucial to understanding the nature of the gospel and one in which there's a lot of confusion today. So, what is this phrase? I'm going to teach on this this week, so I have generated these overheads with the Greek text and English text. The English text says, Now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover during the feast, many believed in his name. This is the key phrase. When they beheld his signs, which he was doing. This is really more of a temporal participle. When they beheld um, theorontos, it's an an anarthrosis participle when they beheld his signs and the contention that one writer of scripture says is that not all faith in Christ is saving faith that there are those who believe and are swayed simply on the basis of miracles and their faith is merely a superficial faith so we have to ask ourselves is a faith that is based upon miracles an inadequate faith for salvation the key phrase is this phrase that is located right here in the Greek. It is epistuson, which is the verb pistuo. I'll write it in English, pistuo. Believe in, ace, this is E-I-S, the definite article T-O, onoma, O-N-O-M-A, and then the pronoun, third person singular pronoun his, which is out to. I'm getting confused between like I said, I'm really punchy this morning. I'll find a better pen. Okay. Pistuo es ta anima out Believe in his name. Is that an adequate basis for salvation? So we need to ask ourselves this question, and let's just flip down to the next chapter, John 316. Remember, this is the phrase. Pistuo, ace. Believe in His name. Pistuo plus the preposition ace. Many believed in His name. Is that adequate for salvation? What does John 3.16 say? For God so loved the world that He, God, gave His only unique Son, monogenes, unique, one-of-a-kind Son, that whoever believes in Him... That's the key phrase we want to look at. What underlies that phrase in the Greek? ha particular articular participle, present active participle, of pistis, pist, I mean a pistuo, ace-auton. That's the same phrase we have in John 2.23. Believe on Him. We don't have His name. We believe on Him. So, John 3.16, it seems that all that is required of salvation is that we believe in him simply faith alone in Christ alone well let's look down two more verses that's the basis for salvation what's the basis for condemnation look at John 3:18 he who believes in him is not judged so, if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you are not judged. This is what we've been studying in Galatians. You are justified. You are not condemned. Condemnation is the opposite of justification. He who believes in Him is not judged. So, again, we have the phrase, here it is, the present active articular participle of pistuo, ha ace autod. Believe on Him, pistuo, ace. He who believes in Him is not judged, and look at the flip side. It's so important. The basis for condemnation is the person he who does not believe has been judged already because he has not believed what? In the name of the only begotten Son of God. So the basis for condemnation is the negative may, the perfect active indicative of pistuo, ace, ta, anima. The same exact terminology that we have in John chapter 2, verse 23. There it says, many believed in his name. The basis for condemnation is not believing in his name. So in John's terminology, it would seem that the basis if the basis for salvation is to believe in him, Pistuo Ace Autan, John three 16, and the basis for condemnation is In John 3.18 is that you have not believed in his name, then it would seem that John 2.23, when it says that they believed in his name, that they have done exactly what John says is necessary in order to be saved. Now, we have to evaluate the other thing that is usually suggested in this, and that is that a faith that is generated by signs is somehow a lesser faith, a non-saving faith, or an inadequate faith. Does that hold water? Turn to the end of John, to John 20, 30, and 31. That page ought to be getting a little folded right now in your Bible, well used. John 20, 30, and 31. What do we read here? Many other signs, therefore, Jesus also performed in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these have been written. Why? For the purpose. That you may believe, and this is the uh, future subjunctive, I mean, future active subjunctive of Pistuo, believe something. That Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, And that believing, the present active participle, believing you might have life, what? In His name. So John 20, 30, and 31 once again uses this terminology, not the exact phrase, but the terminology that salvation is related to believing in His name. But John says something more here. John says that Jesus performed many, many signs. He performed many miracles. And that's why John's writing is to tell us about the signs so that what? so that you can believe in his name and have life in his name. So John completely rejects the notion that somehow seeing miracles and believing in Christ on the basis of the miracles he performed is a lesser or inadequate faith for salvation. For John writes his whole gospel to tell us about the signs that Jesus performed so that we can believe in him and have life in his name. You see, for John, faith is not something that is some subjective emotion. That's how many people think of faith, that somehow it's divorced from reason. But for John and and the other writers of Scripture, faith is not something that's divorced from reason. Faith is something that is inherently rational and reasonable. You believe with your mind, not with your emotions. That faith is something that is based upon knowledge and content and facts. And so John is going to give us the facts about Jesus. He's going to tell us what he did. He's going to give us the documentation. He's going to demonstrate the, the credentials of this man who claimed to be the Messiah so that we will know that he performed those signs. He has the credentials and he is who he claimed to be. And that it, once we understand his credentials and that he satisfied those claims, that we can then have faith in Jesus Christ. So faith is based on knowledge. Faith is based on reason. And faith is based on understanding what he did, and who he claimed to be. So for John, the notion that faith generated by signs is somehow a lesser faith or an inadequate faith is completely erroneous. However, John does realize that the person who believes on the basis of the observation of miracles is not quite as good or as praiseworthy as the person who believes on the basis of not seeing these signs, for example, the episode preceding this statement in John 20:30 uh, is the episode with Thomas, when Thomas did not believe that Jesus Christ had been raised from the dead, and so the Lord comes and appears to him, and has him put his finger and his hands on him, and to put his finger in the nail prints and into his side, so that he can have that empirical knowledge that Jesus is risen from the dead. And when he does that, when Thomas sees him, Thomas accepts him as Savior and says, My Lord and my God. And what is Jesus' response? Verse 29, Because you have seen me, have you believed? And the implication is, yes, you have. Because you've seen the signs. But blessed are they who do not see and yet believe. In other words, if you don't see the signs and you believe in Jesus on the basis of the historical testimony of God's Word, which includes everyone here, then you get an A+. If you believe on the basis of signs, you just get an A. But it's both a passing grade. But it's more commendable to believe without seeing the signs and the miracles than it is to believe in having seen the signs and the miracles. But it's not a contrast between the person who is saved and the person who is not saved but just just what is more praiseworthy turn with me back to John chapter 12 John chapter 12 verse 36 for another clarification of John's understanding of the condition for salvation John 12:36 Jesus says in verse thirty six, while you have the light, believe in the light. Incidentally, we find our phrase there once again, pistuo. Believe in the light. Believe that the light has come, in order that you might become sons of light. What's the condition for becoming a believer? Sons of light is a metaphor for a believer. Believe in the light. Simple. Not believe and be baptized not believe and confess your sin or confess your faith Romans 10 is not talking about phase 1 salvation Romans 10 is when it says uh, believe and confess with your mouth that you will be saved you have to always ask the question what's the passage talking about being saved from and Romans 10 is not talking about being saved from the eternal penalty of sin which is phase 1 salvation it's talking about blessing in the spiritual life And it's talking about phase two salvation. So, Romans 10 has nothing to do with justification faith, but sanctification faith. While you have the light, believe in the light. Not believe and confess, believe and be baptized, not believe and join the church, not believe and persevere in good works, just believe in the light. These things Jesus spoke, and he departed and hid himself from them. Now, that's interesting. Jesus is departing. And he's hiding himself from them. The same dynamic that's taking place in John 2 seems to be suggested. He's not trusting these people. Verse 37, But though he had performed so many signs before them, yet what? They were not believing in him. That the word of Isaiah might be fulfilled which he spoke Lord who has believed our report and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed for this cause they could not believe for Isaiah said again he has blinded their eyes and he hardened their heart lest they see with their eyes and perceive with their heart and be converted and I healed them these things Isaiah said because he saw his glory and spoke of him nevertheless many even of the rulers this would be the aristocracy members of the pharisaical party members of the Sanhedrin some of the Sadducees Many even of the rulers, what? Believed in Him. Pistuo, ace, auton. Believed in Him. But notice, because of the Pharisees, they were not confessing Him. They are believing in Him, but they don't have the courage of their convictions. They are, as somebody once said, all Christians. Only God knows for sure. <laughs> So, the Bible recognizes that there are two classes of believers. There are those who believe and have the courage of their convictions, and there are those who believe who do not have the courage of their convictions. Both will end up in heaven. One of the people we find here in this category, many of the rulers believed in him, would include Nicodemus. We will see that starting next Sunday, Jesus' conversation with Nicodemus. And Nicodemus is saved at that time where he accepts Jesus Christ as his Savior, but he does not make a public show of it. And he would be among these that believed but were not confessing him. But by the end of Jesus' public ministry, who is it that shows up to help bury the Lord? Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus, two prominent Pharisees. So while they believed, and initially did not have the courage of their conviction, some eventually did, some did not. But the key phrase is they believed in Him. Now, John three sixteen, John three eighteen, John three thirty six, and, and John th- uh, John twelve thirty six in this passage, and many many others. Uh, John four thirty nine, John. Uh, 6.29, 6.35, 6.40, John 7.38, John 7.39, and many, many others, you have this same phrase used over and over and over again. Where the J- Apostle John says, salvation is believe in Him. ace. So, for John, it is clear that the basis for salvation is simply faith alone in Christ alone. Now, there is a rebuke for those who... Believe, but not on the basis of signs. Turn back again to John 4.48. John 4.48, we're working our way back towards our passage. John 4.48, this takes place after Jesus witnesses to the woman at the well. She is saved. She runs into town, into Samaria, tells them what has happened. They run back, and many of them become believers. No miracles took place. So this takes place after that episode, and Jesus goes to Cana of Galilee... Or he, where we're told he had made the water wine, there was a certain royal official whose son was sick at Capernaum. When he heard that Jesus had come out of Judea into Galilee, he went to him and was requesting him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. So this man, this uh, uh, bu- royal bureaucrat, wants Jesus to come and heal his son, who has uh, got some fatal illness. Verse 48, Jesus therefore said to him, and th- there's a, impl- a very stated rebuke here, Unless you people see signs and wonders, you simply will not believe. So the implication there is, once again, it's better to believe without seeing the signs than to believe in having seen the signs. But that doesn't mean that if you believe on the basis of signs, you're not saved. Jesus said to him, go your way, your son lives. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him. He started off, and as he was now going down, his slaves met him saying that his son was living. And so he knows that, and this is the second of Jesus' signs. So he is a, he is saved and he believes at that point. Those who believe without signs are praised. And it does not mean that those who believe with signs are not saved and are not believers. So it's clear that there is a class of believers who do not have the courage of their convictions. And then one last verse that I want to go to is one we've looked at already in John 1.12. John 1.12 says, But as many as received Him, to them He gave the right to become children of God. Look at the last phrase. Even to those who believe in His name. It's the exact phrase that John uses in John 2.23. Uh, but as many as received Him, to them He gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in His name. Pistuo eis ta anima autu. To those who believe in His name. So in John 1.12, it is clearly stated that the sufficient condition for salvation is to believe in Jesus' name. So when we come to John 2.23, And we read that many believed in His name. Here's the passage on the overhead once again. Many believed in His name, beholding His signs which He was doing. John is making a positive statement there. His purpose in the book is to give us signs and evidence that Jesus was who He claimed to be. And he is saying here in this verse that His signs were so dramatic that many believed on Him. Many were saved. But in contrast to that, Jesus understood what was in men. You see, the contention today is, and I read this in an article not long ago, is that when you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you come to that moment where you put your faith alone in Christ alone, that something happens to you that somehow diminishes and restricts the power of your sin nature. It's no longer as sinful as it used to be. It's just not going to have the same dynamic. There are going to be some sins that you're just not going to be able to commit after you're saved that you could commit before you're saved. That means that you can look at somebody and if they commit certain sins, you say, I just don't understand. That person, they, claimed to make, they made a profession of faith. I guess they're not saved. And we've all heard people say that. And what that betrays is an underlying notion that somehow faith is based on works. But you see you the sin nature you have before you're saved is the same sin nature you have after you're saved. And the only way to control the sin nature after you're saved is through filling of the Holy Spirit and knowledge of doctrine and application of doctrine. The psalmist said, how shall a young man cleanse his way? How? By having a going to church and having a Tremendous praise service. By singing hymns and feeling going home and being so good that it was you were at church that morning and being uplifted. By having home Bible classes and sitting around enjoying fellowship with other believers. Is that what he says? How shall a young man cleanse his way? None of the above. By taking heed thereto according to thy word. That's it. Forget the other stuff. Christian fellowship. Christian social interaction is not the key to getting over problems in your spiritual life. It's the Word of God. That's where the power resides, in the Spirit of God and in the Word of God. The other assumption here is that there are two kinds of faith. There is a faith that saves and there is a faith in Jesus that doesn't save. And this is evident even in some hymns that we sing. Let me see if I can recall the particular hymn here. The hymn, I Know Whom I Have Believed. Traditional hymn, used to be one of my favorites. Verse 2 says, I know not how this saving faith to me he did impart. Let me read that again. I know not how this saving faith, that distinguishes it from all other kinds of faith. To me, he did in part. See, if you're going to have saving faith, then God has to give it to you. That's how they organized this. Because everyday faith won't work. That's the kind of everyday faith, that's the kind of faith that these people in John 2.23 had. They believed, but it wasn't saving faith. Because saving faith has to come from God. And then they'll go to Ephesians 2.89 where it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. And they'll take the that and they'll refer it to the faith and say that faith is not of yourselves, it's the gift of God. But that's not what the Greek grammar indicates. Because the Greek grammar doesn't agree in gender, that that doesn't agree in gender with the feminine pistis, which is, which is uh, the noun there. So it's, it, it's got to be something else, and it refers to the entire phrase there, that it's the salvation by faith through grace that God provides. That's the gift, our whole salvation by grace through, and by grace through faith. So, we need to beware of people who want to draw a distinction between faith and saving faith. The scripture is clear that it's not faith. You're not saved because of faith. That is, again, based upon misunderstanding of the Greek. That's why we constantly have to go back to the Greek. Dia pistuo. Dia pistuon. Pistuon. That's your genitive. Your genitive ending. Pestu. uh Oh, Oh, I'm really losing it. Very tired. This is through. Dia plus the genitive is through. It means dia piston, which is the, this is E-O-S, pisteos. That's the genitive. Piston is the P-I-S-T-I-N is the accusative. Dia plus the accusative means because. Dia plus the genitive means through or means. The difference is the ending. Everything in the Word of God. Jesus said not a jot, which is the Hebrew yod, which looks like this, or a tittle. In a Hebrew letter, the difference between those two letters is this little mark, or this little mark, this is a T, this is a hate, this is a Ta, this is a Chet. The, that little mark is a tittle. That's the difference. It's like the difference in, in uh, uh, we have between a U and an O would be a tittle. Completely change the meaning of a word. Every letter is of vital importance and is guaranteed without error from the Word of God. So, we are saved not because of faith. We don't have dia plus the accusative anywhere when it relates to salvation, but dia plus the genitive. We are saved through faith, not because of faith. What are we saved because of? We are saved because of the work of Christ on the cross. That's the cause of our salvation. We appropriate it through faith. You are not saved because you believe. You are saved through your faith. You are saved because Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins. It is the object of faith that makes the difference. It is not faith. Faith alone. Faith itself that is the difference. So, when we read this, Jesus on his part was not entrusting himself to them because he knew all men. And there, incidentally, we do have a dia plus the accusative to show that it's, it's cause Because he knew all men. Jesus knew that they were still sinners, they hadn't learned anything, they, were, they, they believed, but that's it. They still did not know any doctrine, and they were probably a lot like the, uh, the ones we read about in, in John 12. They did not have the courage of their convictions, and he was not going to entrust himself to them. Verse 25, And because he did not need anyone to bear witness concerning man, for he himself knew what was in man. He understood the sin nature, he understood the dynamics. But he was not going to entrust himself to them. That does not mean they weren't believers, because some of the worst people in the world can be believers. You always find this superficial attitude that, well, my car is broken down, so I need to find a Christian mechanic, because just be, just the fact that he's saved, he's going to do a better job. Well, the guy may be carnal, he may not know any doctrine, he may be a lousy mechanic. I really don't care the eternal spiritual status of the guy who works on my car or the surgeon who operates on my body. I want them to be the best there is and not necessarily saved. And that's an important thing to learn. Now, if they're not saved, I'm going to witness to them. But you want the best there is. And just because they're saved, just because they're a believer, doesn't mean they're going to do the best job. That's very naive and it's very superficial. So, guard yourself against being caught up with that kind of thinking. It's very clear from the scripture then what the condition is for salvation. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Interestingly enough, this phrase, the stew oasis, is almost exclusively used by the Apostle John, but it is used by the Apostle Paul in no other location than Galatians 2.16, which we've been studying in the first hour. So it all weaves together. It's all tied together. And it's all very clear that the basis for salvation is not on works. It's not what you've done. It's not what I've done. It doesn't call from some kind of special supernatural faith. It calls for simple, everyday faith. But the object is what makes the difference. The object is not going to church. The object is not doing good. The object is not participating in sacraments or rituals. The object is faith alone in Christ alone. The object is the person and work of Jesus Christ, that he died according to the Scriptures and was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. That's the issue. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, Father, we do thank you for the opportunity to investigate more clearly the basis of our salvation and how we appropriate that. Father, we pray that if there's anyone here this morning that does not know Jesus Christ as their Savior, that right now they would take the opportunity to say to you in the privacy of their soul, Father, I accept this free gift of salvation in Jesus Christ. Father, we pray that you would help us to understand these things, and in this day when the gospel is, so, is taught in such a confused and unclear manner, that you would help us to understand these things, that we might be a light to the world, and that we might clearly communicate the gospel to those who are lost without muddying up the, the waters with all sorts of side issues and confusing talk about this kind of faith or that kind of faith or whatever else may be involved as a distraction. So we pray these things in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.